Hey, John Harris here with the Rock Metal Podcast. Join me as we get to go behind the scenes into what goes into producing records and making music as we interview some of our favorite and soon-to-be favorite bands. Today we're chatting with Justin Brett and Simon Gardner of Found Missing. For fans of everything from Linkin Park to Incubus to Foo Fighters, we'll be chatting about Found Missing's new album, Blind Leading the Blind, produced, mixed, and mastered by Tom Donovan. We'll get to hear the story about how all of that came to be, great tips such as, well, why it's so important to have a radio edit of your key songs, and so much more. So please stay tuned to the very end. But first, let's check in with our beautiful sponsors. Asher Media Relations, doing public relations for everything loud. For your band needs to be seen and heard in print, online, and radio, head over to ashermediarelations.com. That's ashermediarelations.com. Mention the Rock Metal Podcast and get your band noticed. Syndical Music is a full-service agency for musicians offering record label services, marketing, branding, production, and management. Head over to syndicalmusic.com. That's syndicalmusic.com. S-Y-N-D-I-C-O-L music.com. Mention the Rock Metal Podcast and take your music career to the next level. All right, Justin Gid, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Go ahead and say hi to all of our beautiful listeners. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. All right. We've got a new record coming out here soon, Blind Leading the Blind via Wormhole Death Records. What was the greatest moment for you guys producing this record? Oh, <laughs> I think they, uh, the, what we come out with in the end, it took us a long while to do that album. We've done a post uh, pre-production and everything, and then just tried loads of new ideas when it comes to the album. and. Uh, we were pleased with what we come out with in the end. So done well, I think. Yeah, I think um, I think some of the defining moment I think was probably doing. I mean, we released it as a first single, which is currently out now. Nobody. But I think the production we did on that and the ideas we got from um, our producer and um, the guy that recorded us, Tom Donovan, into that music was a little bit very very different from what we're normally used to because we we were predominantly quite a live band. So to be able to use lots of different things and ideas and in as a producer, giving us ideas to do things was was really nice and was very happy with that sort of finished product because it was a very polished kind of um, compared to some of the others as as a as a as a piece of music with the production on it, it was, it was different for us and really enjoyed the process of doing that. Yeah, predominantly a live band, but Tom, the producer, giving you ideas to do things in a more polished way, pleased with how it came out, but very different from what you used to do in the studio, what you normally do in the studio. So take us through that. What does that mean? Unpackage that statement for us. What does that mean to be predominantly a live band? You've been given some new ideas. It's different than what you're used to. Take us through that. Uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of changes were, I think we were pushed a lot to try and um, do more vocal parts, whereas I think, when we was live, sometimes we'd have like little bits and pieces. And as we've as we progressed on and started to do, as I said, started to write an album, yeah. we started to think more about vocal parts and being able to replicate them live as well. So we're starting to put more and more in, more and more into like a recorded track, and then and something really pushes me, yeah, as a vocalist, and start to think about how we can like incorporate. I mean, I think we even got, I mean, we got, I think we got me singing on some and and G singing on some. And I think we even we even coached Dean into doing a couple of parts as well, and uh, we're going to try and coax him to do them live as well, which he's not so happy about. But <laughs> I think we'll get there because I think it sounds if you can replicate as much live possibly that you record, it, it sounds so much better and so much more professional, and gives the whole feel of what you've captured. Mm. Okay, perfect. So we're being pushed to do more vocal parts. 
which then sounds more professional, which is totally true, and incorporating backing vocals, but then also as well, so it sounds not like just one person being a one-man choir. You know, it's it's getting the rest of the band to participate in the backing vocals, which now starts to sound like a band. Now, because you mentioned getting the rest of the band to start doing backing vocal parts live, had, did working this way in the studio start to change how you were playing live shows and how you were gigging? Well, we we, we were gigging, and then when it comes to recording the album, we sort of just stopped everything and just concentrated on the album. And to be honest, we haven't gigged for a while yet. We've been just, after the album, we decided to rehearse again and get everything sounding exactly as it should sound on the album. Now we sort of changed it in the studio. Always close to that. Yeah, so yeah. And now we're, uh, we're just going to start back on the on the road again real soon. Mm-hmm. But uh, we haven't done anything for a while, to be honest with you, live-wise. And obviously okay. COVID and that, when that come in, that knocks everything mm-hmm. where everyone for a yeah. while. Okay. All right. Haven't gigged in a while, but definitely looking into recreating and revitalizing that live performance with those uh, backing vocals. Now, speaking of those vocals, you got to be singing something. Take us through the themes on this record. <laughs> well, I write, I write all the lyrics, and to, and to be honest with you, all of the songs is basically like a, a snapshot of what I'm going through at the time of my life, really. Most of them are about relationships or something like that, things going wrong, to be honest, which is, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's usually about what's going on in, to me at the time. Oh, man. So yeah. many so many failed relationships, apparently, exactly, eh? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's, but but I think a lot of sing, um, a lot of singers or lyricists take a take a lot from like personal experience. I think like you know they put the you know the artistic comes from that that anger or that grief or that angst yeah. goes into it. If you you know make we make quite a rocky song, maybe there's a bit of anger going into it. Make a bit of a, a softer song, there's a bit more feeling going into it. Like, Basically, I should have been a drummer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't have all this pain. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, is that something that maybe bonds the band a bit more with camaraderie because people are able to look at your lyrics in the band and say, whoa, dude, you went through yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> we're, with the band, as a, as, a, as a band, we're really close. Yeah. Like, we're, we're like best like a family, really. We're like brothers, so we all go through stuff together and everyone's there for each other. So all the band know when there's something happening to me, there's going to be a song written about it. So they're just waiting for it. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> You're going to be the next Taylor Swift. People are going to see you on a date with a girl and be like, ah, he's writing the next song. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So the lead single, Nobody. Yeah. Take us through that. What is that about? Who is Nobody? It, it, it kind of. It's about me feeling that there's no one there for me, sort of thing. That I'm sort of on my own in, the, in myself, not the band. You know, like, that's what it's about, really. Just like, like I'm a nobody. or So they think if you know what I mean. Mm. <laughs> yeah. but with most of my lyrics, I mean, I write them, they are about something specific to me, but I always try and write them so that anyone can interpret it as they want to interpret it, which is really what I think a good song should be, you know. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going through something in your life and you listen to it, that might relate to you perfectly, but, you know, that's how I like my songs to be sort of known. Sometimes people take solace in that, like the yeah. like, lyrics to something going on with themselves, don't they? Yeah. yeah, writing lyrics in a way that anybody can identify with it, and then the track Nobody, about feeling 
like a nobody. I mean, does that resonate with you listening in right now? I mean, raise your hand if that resonates with you, feeling like a nobody. Now, let's move on to the next question, which is gear, which for a vocalist, sometimes it's not really that important. Maybe this question is more for Gid as far as uh, bass is concerned. I mean, you guys mentioned doing some really unique and cool things uh, with Tom, and we're going to chat with Tom more about production later on, but any cool gear did you guys end up using on the record? Um, not overly. I mean, bass-wise, I was um, fairly natural, just a few like minor effects, nothing too major. I think when it comes to Dean, the guitarist, Tom had like all these um, these impressive plugins and new suites and stuff to like make his amps and things sound completely different. So we're not really recording what he normally plays through. He's going straight into the computer and then put through these programs. And I think it's impressed him so much that he's going to get, he's looking into getting those sort of setups to play through live. Because I think the way guitarists, well, I think the way everyone plays now, like to go live, you don't have to carry all this equipment around anymore. You literally almost plug into a computer-based thing and it, it models all your amps and effects and everything for you. And it's just easier to set up. It's easier to adjust. So we sort of look, you know, obviously we're a bit older, so we're used to the old. We still like to try and keep it a bit raw as well. Yeah. I think that's lacking when you see bands that have that sometimes. But what I'm saying is it's, it's, it's about the ease of being able to keep the setup as um, the continuity in the sound as much as possible now because the technology is moving on to be able to deal with that. So you're not going to get like the power outs or the, the effects pedals breaking down because it's all set into, into one program. But I think like Justin touched on there, we did play with a band that all their backing vocals were done through a through a backing track. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're singing to a click and singing, and we, we're listening to them. It's like, but we could hear we could hear the singer singing, and he was flat compared to the backing track. The backing tracks were like <laughs> about six layers of backing vocals on it, and while it sounded massive and great, I mean they didn't even have a bass player. That's in the backing track as well. And I was thinking like, yeah, you can do that. But we're not fans of that. We like to be able to, you know, want everyone to see is that we're all singing live, all singing the backing vocals live, and that's that's you know the sound. It seems to be a bit of a fading art. Not that many people seem to do it now as much as they used to. You used to go and see a band live, like you just said, with Kiss, mm-hmm. Iron Maiden are the same as well. As like Bruce Dickinson does, he's all his own backing vocals on the studio. And then when you see him live, you'll have Steve Harris and stuff. You know, can I play with madness? <laughs> and. Uh, but they they still do it live though, which is uh, it's still you know which is what we try to do. But we don't sound we do, we do sound as close to the album as we think we we sound. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, on YouTube there is a live video of you guys. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, we did. We didn't put that. Out. Let's see if I can if I can find it again while I'm uh, generating my next question here. But you're mentioning something that uh, we're at a very unique point in time in music because, um, like you said, you can just show up with a laptop and there's your whole show from everything. You can control everything from the lights to the backing tracks to the effects to the plugins you know, all from, from MIDI or whatever on your laptop. And it's super convenient, but at the same time, um, something that came to mind was, where's the wind from the band? Where's the where's the wind coming from the fact that the yeah. band is actually producing energy into the room and is that missing? So I, as a follow-up question then, does that mean that your live performance will continue to evolve over time? And I guess, how do you see the perfect live set up for you i I see it as a hybrid of both 
I think you take the new technology and integrate it into, you know, a classic live show. I would, you know, I don't think I would ever play through MIDI. I can see the, um, I can see the advantages of the guitarist for the effects being able to use yeah, a mixture of that. That's where, that's where we use things with the guitarists and effects and stuff like that. But they, vocals and most of it, everything really will be kept, you know, as it should be. Some live, we won't do things like that with backing vocals. Otherwise, it's not really a live performance, is it? No, in our we want to be live. Proper, yeah. you know. All right. Is it the new cross in? There's a YouTube channel called the Improvised Man and Friends, and they put oh. up uh, you guys live at New Cross oh, Inn. Yeah, no. <laughs> it seems like sound check, though. Yeah, I think it yeah, was. I think it was that, was a, that was a terrible night. That was on over that night, but we won't even talk about that. <laughs> okay. There's no more talking about it. Yeah. I was, I was going to like, ooh, orange amps. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, very cool. Very cool. Okay, more to come, but let's go ahead and check in with our beautiful sponsors. Two Madsen is responsible for producing, mixing, and mastering some of the best metal for over the last 20 years. From Meshuggah to The Haunted to Poison Black, Kemper Profiler packs for guitar players, and Easy Drummer Expansion packs for programming drums. Two Madsen can take your production to a level previously unheard. Head over to twomadsen.com. That's twomadsen.com. T-U-E-M-A-D-S-E-N. Click contact. Fill out the info for your next project and let two know that the Rock Metal Podcast sent you. Wormhole Death is a modern record label publishing and film production company born in 2008. Getting signed to this label means global distribution, publishing, and marketing with Wormhole Death's roster of global partnerships. Head over to wormholedeath.com. That's wormholedeath.com. Submit your band and let them know the Rock Metal Podcast sent you. How would you define success at this stage of your career? We'd like the... Um the singles to do as well as they can. Obviously, you can get the radio play and get its, um, and, and, uh, its playlists and stuff like that and get as much notice as we can. And then when the album uh, is out, which is in April, and then obviously we're hoping that we get good reviews. And, uh, well, we'd like it to get in the charts of some description or some sort of charts. Obviously, that would be where we'd, we'd like to be at and then follow it up from there on, you know, live-wise and see what we can get on and stuff from there, really. But uh, as we say, it seems to be starting all well. There's a lot of things happening, but um, it's still early days. It was only three weeks ago on Thursday that we released the first single, so still early days at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Still early on to tell, but definitely wanting that record to be enjoyed, get great reviews, and let the singles, let the songs do the work that they should be doing based on how it is that you guys have done all of the work up to this point. Which takes me to the next logical question, which is Tom Donovan, the guy that produced the record, hip-hop artist on the charts. I know you guys had mentioned wanting to get onto the radio, onto those playlists, have you know that musical kind of success in the broader terms. Is that why you guys chose to work with Tom? Or maybe just take us through what you want to tell us about working with Mr. Donovan. We've worked with Tom for a long time, for years really. And, and he's always brought in a different element because he has different, he always has, we'll, we'll record something and then he'll have an idea of maybe a drops or gaps or something put under it, which we've never thought of. And he he originally was in uh, metal bands when he was younger as well. So he, he understands our music as well. And then because we've always kept working with him, now we've we've become so easy with him that, he, you know, we, we sort of give him a bit of uh, free reign. Free reign, yeah. And then he'll start, saying what, what he thinks is, uh, not all the time, I mean, it's not loads of things that he changes, just every now and then he'll put a little idea in. And then uh, that can completely transform what we've done and make it more interesting. And uh, I think his ideas, uh, it's been good to have him there, to have 
because we don't go in there. Some bands will go in and record and just think that they know best. They won't listen to anyone else. And, uh, you know, the, and we're not like that at all. We all went in there and listened to what he was saying. It's not everything he was saying, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's like, no. But most of the things he said was we all we agreed on what he, you know he was he was just the best thing for us I think as and he, and he has experienced it because that band has a quite good success in this country like in the charts and yeah with you know with Radio One here and stuff like that so because they're in that genre that the UK likes at the moment it's kind of like that grime sort of like hip hop sort of um, music thing there's a lot of, with the youngsters and they're so a hip hop with like, a live band as yeah, well so he's got experience about what what radios want what people like. Yeah, and, you know, so he's tried to translate that into our music without changing it, just augmenting it to hopefully appeal to a, a wider variety of people. Yeah, I mean, you've definitely said a lot of things about working with Tom, and one of the things you mentioned was, you know, as a band, being open to collaborating with the producer, which is super important. I mean, <laughs> why hire somebody if you're just going to shut them down and not listen to them? But you mentioned, you know, getting on the charts, getting on the playlists, getting on the radio, and that Tom has that experience. His hip-hop group is, in fact, you know, charting in the UK. You mentioned that you've worked with him for quite some time, but, I mean, more specifically, did you guys maybe work with him more on this release because of the radio? I mean, talk to us about that. On, on Nobody, we did a radio edit as yeah. well, which we've, we have never done before with anything. And he told us to do a radio edit because he said that he'll, yep. you know. Radio stations like radio edits, yeah. apparently. So we did a radio edit to see if that's going to help as well. So we're, we're trying everything we can mm -hmm. <laughs> to get it played and, you know, yeah. as much as we can do, basically. Yeah. That's, that's important. There's a reason that music, like, if you ever heard a band, you're like, oh, that sounds like a local band. And then sometimes you hear, it's even a local band, you're like, that sounds like it should be on the radio because there is, in fact, a format that yeah. is, is commercially designed to be on the radio for whatever reason, and radio edits are certainly a part of that. Interesting. So one of the key things in hip-hop is obviously the hook. Did you guys do a lot of uh, hookology on the songs? I think I think, was, um, I think I think the reason we picked Nobody as the first single because I think that has got a very hooky kind of um, feel to it. There's definitely a, I think especially in the music, I think it's possibly possibly in my, in my bass and Dean's guitar line is, is very much of a hook, repetitive thing that gives a good feel. Mm. And yeah, I think you know, I think if I look back across the album, I think yeah, there's definitely, I think the, the, you know, naturally we have. We have got got the hooks there, and I think Tom has probably helped us, you know, expand on them as well in the studio to make them more prominent as well, without us even knowing, possibly. To yeah. be fair, <laughs> like Mr. Miyagi. Next thing you know, <laughs> you're like, oh man, why am I now? I sound like Timbaland. What's going on here? Yeah, but I think that is what a producer is meant to do, isn't it? Make you do these things, and then you win yeah, it. Make it yeah. What's the number one thing you want people who are listening to the podcast right now to do? Check out our album. <laughs> <laughs> or, or a single. If the album's out by then. But, it will uh, be, yes. Oh, right, yeah. So, yeah, go and have a look at our album and see what you think. Yeah. <laughs> Make comments, leave reviews, tell us if you like it, if you hate it, you know, if there's something that could be improved on it. You know, all, all criticism is welcome. We like to know how our music is portrayed by, by another ear and how, how, how people relate to it, how they listen to it, what they enjoy about it. Hmm. You know, I've measured success by people saying, you know, I really like it. You know, some of the, you know, this song, 
help me through this or this song, you know, just makes me feel like that before I go out. You know, things like that are always lovely to hear. You feel like you're connected with someone with your music and they get it. Yeah. Absolutely. Connecting with someone, making sure they get it or, or seeing if they get it anyway. So you're listening in right now. You're wondering what to do. Pick up that album from Found Missing, Blind Lead in the Blind. Check it out. So go ahead and go, go ahead and head over to the rockmetalpodcast.ca. There you'll get all the show notes for today, the transcripts, music videos, and links to connect with Found Missing so that you can make sure to pick up that record. So Speaking of which, Justin and Simon, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this episode of the Rock Metal Podcast. Stay tuned because next week we're going to be chatting with Michael Priest of the band Idolatrous. They've written an empowering melodic death metal album about an old Viking warrior. And they've got some excellent news to share about what's coming up. Go ahead and hit subscribe on your podcast player. Share it with your friends. And I'll see you next week. 